We're so glad that you found this Peak City message today. Our prayer is that during our time together, you're able to discover Jesus and are encouraged to follow him fearlessly. Hey, if you got a Bible, get to John chapter 12. We're in John chapter 12 today. Uh, my sermon title for you today is part two of what we started last week, the sickness you can't shake. How many of y'all were bothered by how many times you felt insecure over the last week after last Sunday? We talked about, if you, if, if you missed out on last Sunday, we talked about how all of us have this, like, this innate uh, sickness, this, this disease inside of us. And it don't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor, black or white, Christian, non-Christian. It don't matter. We all got it. It's the sickness you can't shake. And it, and it comes from this, this verse we read in John 12 where Jesus had done everything he could possibly be asked to do to prove that he's worth following. He created the world and it, and it cries out to him. He, he dies for us and draws us in through his love. He, he lives a perfect life and models for us how to do it. He heals people. He resurrects people from the dead. He resurrects himself from the dead. He does it all. And yet, even with all that proof, many of us still don't believe in him. And, and in Jesus' day, many people still did not believe in him. And, 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 and what we found out last week is it actually isn't because of a lack of proof or a lack of a logical sense that the gospel makes that many of us don't actually step up and live for Jesus and really give him our whole lives because of this verse in verse 43. It says, for they, they didn't follow and believe in Jesus, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. They loved human praise more than praise from God. They, they loved the approval and the acceptance of other people more than the acceptance and the approval of God. And we said that that really points us to the sickness you can't shake. Right? The, the, the sickness you can't shake is that you will always have the need for acceptance and approval. You'll always have it. You, you can't shake it. You, like, you, your soul requires nutrients. And those nutrients are acceptance and approval. The only question is, you're going to get it from man or you're going to get it from God. And so last week we said, the, that's, that's the sickness. Now the symptom, right, the symptom, Dr. Petey was in the house, the symptom to help you understand if you are going to man for your acceptance and your approval is this word insecurity, okay? When you feel insecurity, you know you are worried way too much about what everybody else thinks about you, right? You are going for man, you're going to man for your acceptance and your approval. And, and the acceptance and, and, and the approval of man is, it's shaky, at best. And so, like, you know, when you feel insecurity, it's the alarm, it's the symptom that you're going to your, going to man for your acceptance and your approval. And so we said the treatment is that when I feel insecure, I will come back to God. When I feel insecure, I'm going to come back to the one who has said he loves me no matter what, that I always have a seat at his table. He doesn't just love me, he likes me. I had a, I had a dude last week, real tough dude, who, uh, he's like a rough, tough Colorado guy, and he was here last week, and he said, uh, he said, man, I had never heard that God likes me. He's like, I've melted my heart, man. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even fathom the fact that God, he, he knows everything about me, and he takes delight in me. He, he likes me. He doesn't just love me, right? When I feel insecure, I come back to the God who doesn't just love me. He likes me, and, and, and receiving that acceptance from God melts away my insecurity. All right, so that was last week. Now today, what I want to do is uh, Dr. Petey back in the house. All right, we're going back to the symptoms. We're going back to the sickness. I want to take you to soul medical school, take you down into the depths of your soul and teach you. I want to help you identify today the symptom 
that will prove to you, it will, it will confirm in you that you are actually getting your acceptance and your approval from God. Last week was, how do I know I'm getting it from man? This week, it's how do I know that I'm getting my acceptance and my approval from God? And that's a big deal. That's a big deal because I think a lot of times in life, we, we don't really know how we're doing. Today, I want you to know how you're doing. Like, I want you to walk away today and go, I know I'm on the right path because I see this symptom in my life. And, and, and if you're here and you're not sure what you believe about faith just yet, if you're not sure if you're in on the whole Jesus thing yet, this is still very important because today is going to help you discern the real ones from the fake ones. Y'all know there's some people in our country that say they love Jesus, say they're Christians, and they ain't the real ones. Y'all know there's some people in your workplace, in your school, and uh, some people in politics, some people in leadership in our country who say they're Christian, but come on, come on, come on, come on, you know they ain't real. Today's going to help you discern who the real ones are and who the fake ones are. And it's, I, I, I want to warn you, it's not what you think. It's not what you think. I know based off last week, you're like, all right, if insecurity is how I know I'm living for man, not for God, then I bet the symptom for how I know I'm living for God and going to him for approval, I bet the symptom is like, I feel good. Like living for man, bad, living for God, good. I bet I'm gonna feel so good. And Dr. Petey's about to tell you, it's, it's more like growing pains. It's more like, that was almost the title of my sermon today. It's more like growing pains. Today is going to hurt. All right. So everybody take a big deep breath. Let's enter the pain, shall we? John chapter 12. Let's do it. He who has ears, let him hear. I was, I was, I was, reading, uh, I was reading Jesus this week and I, I, I was laughing so many times how, how, how many moments in his life he would share something and then he would say, he who has ears, let him hear. And I'm like, that's what, that's what I mean when I say, y'all ready to receive from Jesus today? It's like Jesus saying, if you got ears and you want to hear this, if you actually want to receive what God wants to do in your life, then, but if you don't, you ain't going to hear it anyways. Are you ready to receive what Jesus has for you today? If you got ears, listen up. John chapter 12, verse 47. Oh, you're going to love this verse. Woo, you are going to love this verse so much. It's going to tickle your ears. It's just going to make your heart skip a beat. It says, if anyone hears my words, but does not keep them. Anybody else feel that way? You hear Jesus' words, you're like, yeah, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I don't do that. If anyone who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. Woo! I told you you like that verse. Oh, it just makes you, it just makes you feel good. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. Man, that feels good, doesn't it? Jesus said, if you, if you listen to what I say and you don't do it, I don't even judge you. I didn't come to judge the world, I came to save the world. Whew! Just makes, makes my arm hair stand on its end, not on this arm because I shaved that arm because of the tattoo thing, but <laughs> makes my, hair, my hairs on this arm standing up. Because there's nothing more that we hate, right, as like 21st century Western Americans than to be judged. Don't judge me, right? Don't judge me. There's no worse feeling than being, than being judged, like someone looking down on you, like someone saying you did something wrong. Right? I hate that feeling. Just a couple weeks ago, I felt major judged. All right? um, by, by, by admission, I am not, uh, I'm not going to say I'm not a good driver. That's not true. I am not as good of a driver as my wife. She is, like, I know it's not like the manly thing to say, like, oh, rough, tough cowboy thing. 
She's a better driver than me. She just is. She's like unbelievable. She's like Mario Andretti behind the wheel, man. She's just like, she's amazing. And, and the thing I suck at the most when it comes to driving is parking. Okay, I cannot park. I don't care how big the space is. I'm a three-point turn minimum kind of guy into a parking spot, especially when I'm driving my wife's whip, which is this, this like massive gas guzzling environment destroying SUV. And so I'm in there like, how do I turn into a spot and fit in this thing? I can't do this. Like, I always go back of the parking lot where there's no cars. I'll park there, right? Well, we're going uh, out to eat. This is a couple weeks ago. We're uh, going to Texas Roadhouse. Shout out Texas Roadhouse. I'm looking for a corporate sponsorship. <laughs> Average steaks, but great free dinner rolls, right? <laughs> and so we're up in Monument, right? Monument, where all the tough guys live. All the cowboys live in monuments. And, uh, <laughs> And I'm pulling in, I do the right thing. We're in our big gas guzzling environment destroying SUV. And I, and I pull in and I drop my family off at the door. I'm like, go ahead and do your thing, get the table, get the kids. And then I realize there's only one open spot in the parking lot and it's in the first row dead center. And there's like 10 men all, all in separate parties standing outside just watching me park. And I swear to you, all of them are just going, And then they start looking at each other and smiling. I'm like, you're a bunch of rough, tough cowboys. So I'm like, forget this, man. Like I pull in and if the lines are like this, my car is like this. And I didn't even care, man. I got out the car and I held my hippie head high and I walked right past them judgmental cowboys, man. <laughs> don't judge me. You don't know what it's like to drive that SUV, man. You don't know what it's like. Don't, nobody likes to be judged, right? Nobody likes to be told what to do. So we read this verse and we're like, Jesus says, Anyone who hears my words and doesn't do them, I don't judge them. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. And it sounds so good to our 21st century Western American Christian minds if Jesus means the same thing by the word judge that you and I think. But if you read the next verse, it's very clear. He does not mean what you... When you and I hear judge, we think telling someone they did something wrong. Jesus actually has a different definition of the word judge, it seems. If you look at verse, uh, the second half of verse 47, it says, I didn't come to judge the world but to save the world, but there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And I know that his commands lead to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. Hold up. Jesus says, I didn't come to judge the world, I came to save the world. He says, but don't worry, there is a judgment coming. See, when Jesus says judgment, this is so important for you as you read the New Testament and you learn to read the Bible on your own. When the Bible talks about judgment, it is never talking about saying that you did something right or wrong in the moment. That's a cultural misinterpretation of the word. What Jesus is always talking about when he says the word judge or judgment is a final judgment. Right? It's a judge saying guilty or innocent, jail time or no, and it's a final decision. And so Jesus says, I didn't come to bring the final decision on your life just yet, but don't worry, that day is coming. God, my Father, is going to be the judge, and the only thing that will matter when you stand in front of him is what you did with me, what you did with my words. But Jesus, I didn't come here to bring the final judgment. I came here to bring you rescue. I came here to give you a way out. I came here to bring salvation, not just for your eternity, but for right here, right now. I came to give you a better way. And friends, you have to understand this. In order to receive the benefit of Jesus' salvation, the benefit of Jesus' rescue, in order to step into the life God wants for you, it will require him saying some things to you 
that hurts. Jesus, his whole ministry, his whole life, his, his personality, his characteristics, it was all summed up very perfectly for us. In John chapter 1, when, when, when John says this about Jesus, the word, God, became flesh, Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, here it is, full of grace and truth. Jesus came both to give you grace, I love you, I like you, I accept you, I've got mercy on you. You always got a seat at my table, there ain't nothing you could have done in the past that would disqualify your future. Heck, there's nothing you could do in the future that would disqualify the future beyond that. Grace and truth. There is right and wrong. There is good and bad. There is wise and unwise. Right? It's grace and truth. And, and here's the deal. You know this. The truth hurts. There ain't no way around it. When you go to the dentist and you've been brushing twice a day and flossing once a month, and they say, sir, you got a cavity. <laughs> it hurts, right? When you look at the credit card bill for the first time in a long time, it hurts. When you step on the scale and you're like thinking about one number, like it's probably this number, and it's a much larger number. <laughs> it's like the scale's not lying, right? The truth hurts. We had a friend in town last week, and um, he's a good friend of mine. We've known each other for five, six years, and he's a, he, he consults churches all across the country. He serves as a CFO for several different organizations, churches, nonprofits. He's just like an amazing leader, amazing guy. And, and he was here to hang out with us for the weekend and um, spend some time together. And then he was here on Sunday for Peak City. He just wanted to experience the church. And it was so awesome to have him here. And uh, um, the, the next morning on Monday, he came to our staff meeting. And uh, I said, hey, man, tell us about your experience. And he was raving on our church for good reason, y'all. We got a good church. All right. Y'all should be proud of the thing we're building. He was like, man, your, your, your building was amazing. Oh, my gosh, the worship was so great. Message was uh, okay. It was solid. Uh, you know, just like the energy and the vibe and culture class and like the middle, new, new Peak City Youth Middle School ministry, like all the, you know, uh, uh, kids, men. It was just all so good, man. And you guys are growing. He was like, man, I've not seen a church grow as fast as you guys are growing in the past few years. It's just amazing. So everybody's happy, right? Amazing. He ain't judging me. Then we get alone, he and I and our executive pastor, Taylor Warren. And he said, hey, can I share something with you that I didn't share with your staff today? I said, yeah, sure. He was like, I just, I just want you to know this. He's like, your church is awesome. You're doing great. And I'm sitting there going like, <gasps> here comes the gut punch. He's like, but I want you to know that as a first timer in your church that had never been here before, I didn't know anyone here. He was like, I was here all morning, both services, and not one person acknowledged me, said hi to me, or greeted me. And I was here all morning. Oh, Truth hurts. Right? Because here's the deal. It don't matter how good our church is, we're, all, we're always going to have issues to address. And the truth is, you know what church... You know what's like as a church culture continues to grow is that we come in every Sunday, we, we have the people we always go and talk to, we have the pockets we go and talk to, and that's not just staff, that's not just, that's everybody. And yeah, we've got a greeting team, but here's the deal, guys. We've, we've got a connections team that, that, that you know, welcomes people in. It is not one team's job to make a church feel like home. 
It's all of us, man. Like, the only way we fix that is that every single person that comes in here has their head on a swivel every single Sunday to find the person that's lost, to find the person that's confused, to find the person that's got their head down, to find the person that, that, that's, that's, that's all alone, and to take the step forward and say, hey, I've not met you yet. What's your name? Hey, here's, here's like, that's on all of us together to do that. And he said that, and I was like, oh, like as a church that just wants to reach people so bad and get connected to Jesus, it just, it hurts. The truth hurts. But let me ask you a question. Was it mean of him to say that? Was it, was it actually like hateful? Was it destructive? No, 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 no. It actually, it actually would have been hateful and unloving for him to not share it. Because if we don't hear it, we can't fix it. If we don't hear it, we can't change, right? You see, now translate that, that's like big picture church stuff, right? Big, go back to your life, go back to your own soul. Don't apply this to the person next to you. Don't apply this to the person you wish was here. Listen, don't, no, 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 apply this to your own life, all right? God loves you. Oh my gosh, his love for you is so extravagant. He knows everything you've ever done and he loves you all the same. Forgiveness, mercy, grace, he accepts you. Grace and truth. There are things that he will have to say to you that in his love and in his grace, it's truth, it's gonna hurt and it would be unloving for him not to say it. Let me, let me say it like this to you. This is, a, this is nuanced. Can I, can I share, like, it's a nuanced sermon. Can I just, can, can I preach one that's, like, got, like, some nuance to it and you can't just, like, broad stroke explain this one, okay? <laughs> I need you to, like, go a little deeper with me. God will always accept you, but he will not always approve of you. I know that is not a, that's not a message that's going to make some good tweets or Instagram clips. I know you could take that out of context. I know you could... Yeah, 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 whatever. It's truth. God will always accept you. You'll always have a seat at the table with him. He will always love you. He'll always forgive you. It's limitless, unconditional grace because of what Jesus has done for, for us on the cross. And, and, and he loves you too much to just blanket approve of everything you do in your life. He loves you too much for that. He loves you way too much. And so, this is where it gets really nuanced, right? Because like in our culture, Oh, man. In our culture, acceptance and approval are inextricably tied. If you don't agree with my politics, if you don't approve of my politics, you must not accept me as a person. If you don't, accept my, if you don't, if you don't approve of my sexuality, you must not accept me as a person. They're inextricably tied right now in our culture. It's as if we can't disagree with anything in anyone's life without also communicating that we don't love them. That's just not true. These are different concepts. These are different actions. These are different sentiments. They all come from a place of love. But just because I accept you, just because you, you've always got a seat at my table, that don't mean I have to approve of everything you do. Acceptance and approval are different. And let me tell you, there are going to be times in your life, if you start, so the sickness you can't shake, you need acceptance and approval, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you start turning to God and you turn away from insecurity, you turn away from going to man for acceptance and approval. You start turning to God. You start reading the Bible. You start praying. You come to worship night. You make church a priority. You're listening to worship music in your car on the way to work. If you start turning to God, I'm here to tell you, it ain't always going to feel like rainbows, unicorns, and butterflies. 
sometimes he's going to meet you and say, I love you, and you need to go apologize. I love you, and you really lashed out at your kids, and you need to go sit them down and beg for their forgiveness. I love you and accept you, but I do not approve of how you are gossiping at work amongst your coworkers, and you need to shut that crap down. I love you and I accept you, but I absolutely do not approve of the way that you are drinking every single night. That's, that's, a, that's a step towards addiction. I love you and I accept you, but I, I cannot approve of this in your life. I'm telling you, right now, I'll give you like a window into my life, curtain into my life. Every time I have been alone with God and I've prayed to him and I've, even in moments of worship like just now, for the past month, I know God accepts me and he loves me and I feel a deep conviction in my heart over the past month that I have got to grow up as a man and as a leader in order to be the man and the leader that my family and my church needs for the next season. What got me here, I can feel it. I can feel it deep in my bones. And I'm telling you, that's why it sucks right now. Y'all didn't expect a pastor to say my time with God sucks. It sucks right now. I go to God and I'm praying and he's just like, hey, you need to fix this. Hey, you need to put this discipline in your life. Hey, you need to change this. Hey, you need to be more in control of your words. Hey, you need to be, you need to be better in this way. Hey, you need, I know, I know it ain't easy, but Peter, you ain't 25 years old anymore. You're 38, you gotta, you, you gotta grow up. This church ain't, ain't, a, ain't a little church anymore, it's a growing movement. And if you're gonna leave this growing thing, you're gonna have to grow. It don't, it don't feel good. But I want you to hear this. When you're alone with God, when you're turning to God, oh, I love messages like these. I love it. I love it. Because everyone's like, oh, no. I can feel the, like, drop a pin right now and you could hear it. I want you to hear this, though. When you feel that pain, when you feel that, um, what, um, this is where it's so tricky. It almost feels like insecurity. Right? You, when you feel this, you feel a little ashamed. You feel a little scared. You feel a little intimidated. You feel a little shook. It feels almost like insecurity, but don't misdiagnose it. Don't misdiagnose it. It is not insecurity. What you are feeling, it is the symptom. It's the symptom that you are on the right path. It's the symptom that you are going for the acceptance and approval of God, not man. It's not insecurity. It's conviction. Whoo, you are feeling conviction from the Holy Spirit of God. He loves you too much to let you go on living below your potential, beneath your purpose. And so he will convict you. He will convict you to change. He will convict you to repent. He will convict you to apologize. He will convict you to grow. And it doesn't feel good. I love how two of my favorite preachers said it. Again, it's proof. It's proof. It's proof you're on the right path. Billy Graham said it like this. He said, the closer you get to Christ, the more sinful you're going to feel. Ooh, we're going next level soul work right now. You didn't expect that. You thought, if I get close to Jesus, I'm going to feel love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. <laughs> I didn't grow up in Sunday school, but I learned that one from my, my kids. Yeah, you are. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. That's the things that are produced in your life. But that don't mean that every time you get with God, it's going to feel all good. No discipline, the Bible says, seems pleasant at the time. None of it seems good at the time. It's, it's going to hurt. R.C. Sproul said it like this. The closer we are to God, the more the slightest sin will cause us to feel great sorrow. And I came here today to tell you, you should uh, take that pain. Take that conviction. It's, 
is growing pains. You know, if you don't feel growing pains, it means you ain't growing. <laughs> right? Like when you stop growing in your body, it's it, it, like you stop feeling the pain. When you hit the gym, you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to dial in your, new, your, your, your uh, uh, nutrition. If you don't feel sore or hungry, <laughs> you probably ain't making any progress. When, when you stop feeling the pain, it's when the growth stops happening. See, I came today to tell you, when you feel conviction, it's the symptom to know you're on the right path. You're on the right path. The closer you get to a holy God, the less holy you're going to feel. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to go, oh, man, I got a long ways to go. Let me say it like this. For those of you that aren't followers of Jesus, this is the litmus test so that you can know whether or not the Christian coworker you are with or the person online that's posting, this is how you can know whether or not they're a real one, Okay. Do they point more to the sins of the culture or the sins of their own hearts? I know I just made everybody in the room uncomfortable, but it's true. If you, if you're a real one, if you're really walking with the Lord, you care so much more about your own sinfulness than anyone else's. Let me tell you, if, you're, if you claim to be, this is, this is going to hurt you, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus and you do not feel conviction, you should be terrified. Jesus actually said it like this at one point. Can I just keep preaching hard for a second? I'm going to give you a funny story and lighten things up in like two minutes, okay? Jesus told like this, he said, he said, there was a time when two guys went up to the temple to pray. It sounds like the beginning of a joke, right? A Catholic, a Jew, and a Christian went into a bar. It's like two guys went up to the temple to pray. One of them was a Pharisee, the other was a notorious sinner. And they both go up to the temple to pray, and he says that the Pharisee stands there before God. He says, God, thank you so much that I'm not like these other sinners. Thank you so much that I'm not like the culture around me. Oh, God, you've been so good. Thank you, I'm not like everybody else. And the notorious sinner stands in the corner, and he beats his chest, and he says, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says it's the, the notorious sinner that walked out of the temple that day justified before God, not the Pharisee. If you come in before the Lord and you can't stop thinking about how sinful our culture is, you can't stop thinking about how, how messed up your spouse is, how your boss needs that. Ah, you better be careful. Conviction is the symptom. Conviction is the symptom that you are on the right path. And I'm telling you, the worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can possibly do when you feel conviction, the worst thing you can do is cope with it. As a pastor, I've seen, I've seen us all, we got some weird copes. You ever heard of the phrase weird flex? You know, someone brags about something that's a little, little strange. Like, that's a weird flex. We got weird copes. When we are presented negative reality, we got some weird things we do to make the pain go away. I was, um, last year, I'm on a lot of illustrations today involving my gas-guzzling environment-destroying SUV, but last year, that gas-guzzling environment-destroying SUV, it, it was breaking down like crazy. I mean, I feel like every other month, it was just in the shop, and we just couldn't figure out what was wrong, couldn't figure out what was wrong, and um, we finally found a mechanic who figured out what was wrong, and um, he calls me and says, hey, here's what's wrong. It's the the pistons and the regulars and the lifter and, and I don't know, man. <laughs> Things inside lifters and it's the rotary belts and I don't know, man. <laughs> I act like I know what it was, but I have no clue. And he said, 
it's $5,000 to fix it. Oh, I just want to puke. <laughs> and it was at that point where, like, you know, the market car, the used car market was so high. It's like, I can't, I can't go and sell this thing. It's, like, it's not even worth it. The only thing we can do is just bite the bullet. And I had a weird cope. It hit me, all right? I had to cope with this negative reality. And so I came home to Britt and I said, hey, Britt, we got bad news. Uh, fixing your gas-guzzling environment, destroying SUV is going to cost us $5,000. And she was like, <gasps> And I said, would you puke more, less, or the same if I said it was going to cost $5,300? And she said, the same. That's both bad numbers. I would puke the same. I said, okay, great. I went to Ticketmaster.com and I bought two tickets to see Tyler Childers in concert at Red Rocks Amphitheater. And I put it all on the credit card. I said, we'll pay it off one day. <laughs> this is not sound financial advice. <laughs> but now when I look back on that season, I don't remember the SUV. I remember Tyler Childers and our first Red Rocks experience, baby. <laughs> it's a weird cope. <laughs> it don't make sound financial sense, but man, it felt good. <laughs> it was an expensive Tyler Childers trip right there. <laughs> We got weird copes, man. When we are presented with negative reality, we do weird things to make the pain go away. I'm telling you, I have seen, I have seen people who feel the conviction of God to be a better spouse, to confess a sin, to apologize. I have seen people that feel the conviction of that turn to the bottle and drink that conviction away. I've seen them turn to pills and pop that conviction away. I've seen them turn to porn and dig themselves in an even deeper hole to cope with the pain. It's a weird cope to be presented with a negative reality and dig yourself even deeper, but we'll do anything to numb that pain. I've seen, I've, I've seen people who have been convicted to repair a relationship, who have left the church, uprooted their families, and went to another church just so they could get away from the conviction. It's a weird cope. You know the weirdest cope that almost all of us do when we feel convicted from God to change something? We will go find someone else who will disagree with that conviction. You know there's always somebody that'll agree with your dumb decisions? I wanna, I wanna solve some problems in your life for your present and the future, for your family, for your future, let's get it started early. There is always someone who will say yes to your stupidity. There's always someone who say, it's not that bad. Come on, man. You living with her? You sleeping with him? Oh, come on, man. That's just, it's the 21st century. What, you, you some sort of like Amish freak? Aren't we going to, I mean, come on, come on. It's like a used car. Like you ain't going to buy it before you take it for a test drive, right? Everybody's, it's fine. It's fine. Gossip, you're not gossiping. I hear your heart. You're just concerned for them. And don't worry, I won't tell anyone. You didn't really lie. It was just a little, I mean, it was just an exaggeration. Your boss gave you negative feedback? Oh, come on, he's stupid. She's stupid. She doesn't know anything. Can't believe it. It's insane. I'm telling you. You know, I was thinking about this earlier. Whereas God, God will always accept you but won't always approve of you, people are the opposite. People won't always accept you, but man, they will always approve of you. They don't want to push back on your life. They don't want to challenge you. We hate conflict. Man, we'll approve of stupidity. We'll approve of dumb decisions just to save the peace of a relationship. When really that's the most unloving thing you could possibly do. 
It's a weird cope. It's a weird cope. What I'm begging you to do today is to evaluate your heart, evaluate your soul. And when you feel conviction, I want you to treat, so the symptom is conviction, I want you to go to the treatment. And, 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 and here it is, just like last week, we got a little treatment for you, I got a little treatment for you today. When I feel conviction, I will stick with God. I'm not gonna run. I'm not gonna hide. I'm not gonna medicate it. I'm not gonna numb it. I'm gonna do the thing I need to do. I'm going to do what is required of me to lean into this. I'm gonna, I, even though it's scary, I'm going to stick with God. I'm going to stick with him. I'm going to go to counseling. Oh, I don't want to. But I'm going to stick with God because I feel convicted too. Oh, man, I don't want to confess that because it's probably not that big of a deal. But I feel God's telling me to confess that. Stick with God. Don't run away from your conviction. Oh, man, I feel like I'm supposed to give my time. I'm supposed to give some of my resources. Oh, but I don't want to. Man, stick with God. Don't run. Don't medicate it. Don't numb it. Don't cope. Let God do what he wants to do in your life. I'm telling you, because on the other side of conviction, you have to hear this. On the other side of conviction is the approval of God. When you follow through on the thing that you know you're supposed to do, God looks down at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Oh, I'm so proud of you. The one thing every child wants to hear from their father, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Oh man, when you make good, on the other side of conviction is approval. On the other side of conviction is the blessing of God. It's the favor of God. It's when you stay faithful to Him and you stick with Him and you don't run, that's when you step into the favor of God in your life. It's when you run away that you get yourself into all kinds of trouble. It's when you cope that you get yourself into all kinds of trouble. You know Jesus' conviction? Jesus never did anything wrong. So we didn't have conviction the same way you and I experience it. But don't get, don't get it mixed up. He still had conviction deep down. And his conviction was that you and I were worth dying for. His conviction is that we were worth stretching his arms out on the cross and dying for. And he had the devil whispering in his ear, you don't, you don't need to do that. He had people whispering in his ear, if you die, what's going to happen to the movement? And even he himself, his own flesh is, was, was weak and beginning to fail. And he was saying, God, if there's any way to take this away from me, take it but not my will be done, your will be done. He, his conviction was that you were dying for and he stretched his arms out and he stuck with his heavenly father and on the other side of his conviction was our salvation. On the other side of his conviction was the approval of his heavenly father. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God and he is the name that, that every knee will bow, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, everyone will see that Jesus is Lord because he stuck with his conviction. I'm telling you, on the other side of your, whatever you feel like right now, and I, I know the Holy Spirit's working right now, whatever you know you're supposed to do on the inside, that pain, that conviction, that fear you have, don't cope, don't cope. Stick with God and watch what happens on the other side. Watch the blessing of God that comes in your life. Watch your marriage be reconciled. Watch your relationships flourish. Watch healthy boundaries get set in your life. Watch new opportunities pop up when you will push through the pain. The pain of conviction is proof that you're on the right track. But you gotta follow through. You gotta do the thing you're supposed to do. And say, when I'm convicted, God, my answer is yes. That's really what this is. It's just you saying, God, when I, when I feel it in my gut, 
when I, when I can hear it in my mind that you want me to do something, my answer will always be yes. And so let's just say yes to God right now together. Let's have a time where we just commit ourselves to God. Would you stand with me to your feet? And as a time of decision and commitment, we're just gonna go before God. Some of you are gonna make decisions to follow Jesus for the very first time. Some of you will make decisions to, to step forward into conviction like never before. Either way, let's do it. Bow your heads, close your eyes. We do this to create privacy in the room. And uh, if you know, you know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and you felt that conviction deep down that you need to start following him. You felt that conviction that you just need to give your life to him and you don't have to have your life cleaned up man you ain't you ain't got to have it perfected you don't have to have the bible memorized you don't have to even know all the answers yet no 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 you just gotta be ready to say yes to his acceptance and yes to following him no matter the cost if that's a decision you want to make today to become a christian and to start following jesus and you want to say yes to him i want you to symbolically raise your hand on the count of three as a private moment between you and god one two, three. That's awesome. That's awesome. So good. Several hands up. It's beautiful. If you just made that decision, you know God has got your back. I'm telling you, all of heaven is rejoicing. And church, we should, we should mimic and mirror heaven right now and celebrate the decisions that have been made right there. That's beautiful. Everything changes now. Everything changes now. The minute you say yes to Jesus, everything changes. It's so good. If you're in the room and you know that there's a conviction that you've been ignoring and uh, maybe it's a relationship that you need to repair, maybe it's a, an apology you need, maybe it's a letter you need to write, maybe it's an addiction you need to put down, but you just know God's been asking you to do something and your answer to him has been to cope or maybe your answer has been flat out no. And today you want to change your, the, the posture of your heart and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to whatever it is he's asking you to do specifically. If that's the commitment you want to make before God today, to say yes to whatever it is he's convicting you of right now, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Hands up all over the room. Hands up all over the room. Keep your hands up and let's pray and ask God. God, we extend our hands to you as a symbol of our dependency on you. Many of us have had convictions deep down for years and we're just now saying yes to it. Jesus, we will not back down. We will not cope. We will not let the enemy's voice be the most important voice in our life. Instead, we choose to say yes to you, Lord. Yes to your grace. Yes to your conviction. Do whatever it takes to grow us, God. Get us past these things that have been holding us back. God, I pray for courage, and confidence and security just to well up in our hearts as we follow you and we trust you with our lives. It's in Jesus' name we all pray together by saying amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this Peak City message today. If you'd like more information on Peak City Church or if you'd like to give to the mission here in Colorado Springs, then check us out at peakcityco.com.